Okay, you could start whenever. Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Joe. If you haven't listened before, we're a married couple learning how to live a thriving life after leaving our Christian faith. And if you have listened before, welcome back. (laughs) So today we're excited to be sharing a conversation we had with Tully O'Connor. And Tully is a personal development and relationship coach that I've been working with over the last few months, and I've been hugely benefited by my time spent with him. Uh, During our conversation, we talk about people-pleasing and how disconnection from yourself, from your intuition, will inevitably cause you to be disconnected in your relationships. We also talk about self-compassion and the importance of having patience for yourself. And at the end, we go through some really practical things we can all do to tame our inner critic, develop more self-compassion and self-connection, and some ways to process through the complex feelings that inevitably come up as we learn to live on the other side of religion. This was a super helpful conversation for Katie and I to have, and I think it'll be really helpful for all of you as well. Enjoy. Hey, man. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Uh, It's really good to talk to you in this context because I know we've chatted a ton like on one-to-one coaching calls, but yeah, this Mm -hmm. is the first time you're meeting Katie. It's the first time we're talking about this, first time you're going to be on our podcast. So yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So why don't you introduce yourself, Tully, and tell like everybody like what you're all about and where we can... I don't know, find you more. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So firstly, thanks for having me on, guys. Like, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And you're right, it is cool to have um, this chat in a different context and to right. be on the, re- the receiving end of some questions. Um, <laughs> totally. So yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, I guess my name's Tully um, and I, I work as a, like a personal leadership and relationship coach. So I started out my career as a physiotherapist in the States. I'm pretty sure you guys call them physical therapists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I started out working in healthcare and working with people on more of that physical level, but saw pretty quickly that there was so much more that went into health and well-being than just the physical. And that's where my interest really got drawn. Um, quite early on and so I was drawn to mindfulness meditation sort of mental health and well-being yeah. and then later on down the track emotional health and well-being and relational health and, and relational dynamics and that kind of just naturally led to the work that I'm doing now so for mm-hmm. the last four or five years I've been working as a coach and workshop facilitator just helping people I guess access a sense of personal leadership and power in every area of their life, focusing primarily on relationships because it's where my personal passion lies and also I feel like, and then the research supports it, it's the most important thing that we can improve if we do want to improve our length and quality of life. Mm -hmm. So it's funny that the the healthcare professional in me is still kind of floating about in terms of the practicalities (laughs) of it all, but really... It's just where my personal interests have, have drawn me. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about like in a nutshell sort of how I've started to do the work that I do. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool, cool, man. I didn't realize you started in the like more medical side of things. Actually, never, yeah. we never talked about this. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes yeah, sense. So I was going to go study medicine. So I, I sat the exams to do postgrad medicine at the University of Western Australia, got accepted into that and was literally – about to go down the path of becoming a, a, a medical doctor yeah. and 
just, I don't know, it was probably the first time, not the first time in my life, but a really significant time in my life where I kind of just trusted my intuition and my gut feel yeah. over what I should do. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense. That's the natural mm-hmm. career progression. Like, you know, that's a stable job. I'm, I'll earn a good income. And, and all the subconscious things too, like a lot of social cred. Parents will probably be stoked with that. Mm-hmm, get, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then mm-hmm. I just, and it was a hard one because it wasn't like, I was like, I'm not going to do that because I'm going to do this. Because what I'm doing now didn't really exist as a job six years ago. Yeah. Sure. So I was kind of like, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I, it's going to be something. Um, but yeah, so that's how it all, it all kicked off for me. Yeah. Well, that's wow, awesome. Cool. <laughs> so have you always felt like you were pretty intuitive? You said you made that choice kind of intuitively. Has that been natural um, for you? Yeah, kind of. Uh, good question. It's something I've definitely um, developed more, but I think I've always been pretty good like with social cues and being able to read other people. Mm-hmm. But So in terms of being able to tap into that sense, but what I had to work on more was... I guess, tapping into how I was feeling. Yeah. Like I was pretty good at picking up what other people were feeling and, and, and what to do to sort of help them or, yeah, like socially and just environmentally. Yeah. But tuning into my, my own wants, needs and desires is something that took a bit of practice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I got, that kind of makes sense because like you only kind of get one message coming out of other people, but inside, like, at least for me, I have so many different thoughts and a lot of them are like not true or not helpful or um, from some other place, you know, like conditioned mm, some other way. Yeah. And I think like, it's probably a lot, like, it's really confusing sometimes to know what you're saying, yeah. your gut saying, you know, because of all of those mm. thoughts. And I like how you put that. It It is like practice, you know, <laughs> practicing oh, to develop yeah. intuition. Yeah. yeah, it's a skill and that's the biggest thing. Like I love kind of demystifying a little bit is it can be viewed as this thing you've either got it or you don't. You've either got a good connection with your intuition or, or you don't and it's just not the case. Like it's something that can be developed and yeah, that's cool. going back to that point of tuning into other people, I think there's a couple of reasons for that too. Like one is uh survival instincts it's like if i can figure out what's going on with people around me and do what i can do to keep them happy then i'm gonna feel better or if i can feel like what they need of me then i'll be able to give that to them so we're kind of hyper focused on that external environment and the other thing why know for me personally it was easier to avoid getting real with what i was feeling or, or what i knew i needed to do because then I would have to act on it. Mm-hmm. If I had clarity around what my gut was saying, then I would have to act on it. And sometimes that's scary. So yeah, it's yeah. scary. <laughs> in confusion and chaos and pretend I don't know what I'm feeling when actually if I just got quiet, I would be clear, but then I'd have to do something with that. So Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Dang. You're it's hiding it's from easy. yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's easy to stay caught up in other people's stuff. Yeah. No, that's perfect though because like what you were saying, it's – like picking up on other people's thoughts is for survival and that leads so perfectly into people pleasing. I think Mm. like that, what I heard from you saying that is like, Oh my gosh, am I like, I'm pleasing others in order to survive in a way, you know, like that's what I'm doing instinctually that I don't want to be doing, you know, anymore. Mm. Well, it's interesting too. I, I feel like for me, at least I 
was really good at at like serving other people or like you said being aware of how other people are feeling in situations i feel like i was pretty sensitive to if someone else is feeling bummed out or kind of off or whatever and i was really attentive to that but i was super disconnected from my own intuition and it's funny mm-hmm. like being in relationship with you katie you're so intuitive whether you've had to develop that or if you've kind of just been intuitive for a long time you're so intuitive and as a default i am not and it's mm-hmm. been like, I'm like actively trying to work on yeah. getting intuitive. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting how being taught your whole life, like, yeah, you should put yourself second or you should always make sure you're, you're acting out of kindness or, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of turning the other cheek and um, mm-hmm. being humble and, and being meek. You know, these were all considered really, really positive things for me my whole life. And I was taught that that's what I should strive for. Um, mm. And I, I feel like I actually got like really good at that. You did, <laughs> you, know? you did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, I pra- you know, I practiced it. Really. Yeah. So I practiced uh-huh. it for a long time and got really good at it. But what seems like happens is that eventually um, it kind of catches up to you. And, and we've spoken about it on the podcast a lot. And I've spoken about it with you too, Tully. But like mm. at a certain point, I just felt so disconnected from my own intuition because I had been so focused on what everyone else was doing if that makes sense yeah for sure and it's it's whether even if it's not overtly said to us it's modeled for us Hmm. to put ourselves last Hmm. so sometimes it might be like you say overtly said like this is what you should do this is how you be a good person and it might be verbalized but even if that's not the case just how we look in the world how we view our parents and how they are around their life and more often than not their people pleasing or putting themselves last and or, or disconnected from their personal power and what they actually want to do yeah. and how they actually want to be. Mm-hmm. And so we, yeah, we, we, we're conditioned either way. Sometimes it's stronger and, like I say, with words too. But I think something that's it's not a bad thing, like you say, you got really good at it and it serves you well if you can use it as a skill. If it's your default and you're stuck there and that's all you've got, that's when it becomes unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't even know who I am. I can't do like, and, and that's when it becomes unhealthy. But to be able to tune into the people around you and understand and feel what they need and feel what a situation needs is an amazing skill. Yeah. And, and it was a survival mechanism. It's like we got taught what we needed to do to receive love and connection. Sure. And so we learned how to do those things and it worked at the time, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's just, we carry that forward with us and we don't no longer necessarily need to do it. We may need to do it around certain people, maybe certain family, certain friends. It's like, you still need to be a certain way, but as you start to sort of like go out into the world and create your own life, it's like, hang on a second. Like, I don't want to operate like this anymore. So it's just, yeah, recognizing that, Hey, it was conditioned. I practiced yeah. it. I got really good at it. It does serve me. It's not like all of that is bad. It's like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But it's like, like you say, like like you polarize one way. You want to swing the pendulum back the other way for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really focus on yourself. Really get clear on what you're feeling. Really like start to act from that space. So then you can find an equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Because just like if you're people-pleasing and only doing what other people want isn't healthy, so is having no empathy. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> sure. <that> is. 
jerk. Like that's not yeah. cool either. And that <laughs> won't serve you either. So it's like you, you can, I think it's understanding that both can coexist. You can look out for your own needs and still be a really caring, empathetic individual. Who's mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I really like that. It really feels like everything we're trying to accomplish in self-development and all these things I'm trying to bring out in myself and in my personality and the same for you. There's always kind of like two polar opposite sides to that. Mm, and mm. that that swing is real, you know? <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like people pleasing, what we're talking about today, I feel like when I first kind of realized how much of a people pleaser I was, I was like, I'm going to set boundaries. Like, no, I'm going to yeah. be a jerk yeah. now yeah. this time. Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I go all the way to the totally. opposite extreme. And I'm, yeah, and you're probably like, what is going on? Like, I'm trying to set all these boundaries <laughs> and being so strict. Yeah, like, I need my own personal time. Yeah, <laughs> where is this coming from? But yeah, right. it does really feel like that's kind of a necessary process to mm. kind of try out both camps in a sense. Yeah. To strike a balance yeah. in the middle. But I like yeah. that you said that it's you you know, of course, like learning those things and how to people please, like those are good skills. And when you use them in that way, it's, I think that's good for the people around you. And I feel like a lot of times, and I think like a lot of people listening feel that like what good came out of my background, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. especially in really dogmatic religion. And I feel that as well. Like, I just want to get rid of everything I've learned because I just had a negative experience with it. But like, I think we forget that like, you learn so many, you can learn so many valuable lessons, like coming out of a negative experience. Like, and I think like a good thing for me when I was healing from it, you know, to kind of list out what are the things I learned. And, and one of those is like, just how to be kind and be really empathetic, you know, and you're right. When you said that reminded me, it is a skill. It's like, it's good to have Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I don't want to just obviously swing to the opposite side, but like, kind of we need to take time for ourselves and then and find that balance in the middle yeah totally but yeah glad you said that yeah yeah and that's such an incredibly important point like there's always there's always good like you can reflect on any situation as horrible as a situation might have been in the past and you can always take there's always both sides of the coin present in terms of lesson learned or or things you've taken from it Mm -hmm. and until we can like make peace with that, you're still going to be running. You're never going to be really free because you, you're still, you're pushing away from something mm-hmm. rather than integrating that thing. Yeah. Does that, yeah, like, and, and you see totally. that a lot. People go and plot themselves in personal development world and they're like, yeah, I'm free. And it's like, no, you're not. You're only free when you're in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. What happens when you go home and have a conversation with your parents? Like, is every like, so it's like the more you can start to integrate that and like you say, heal that and find the good in that, like, and equalize that experience within you, then mm-hmm. that's when you start to experience personal freedom. So, yeah, that's yeah. a beautiful point, Katie. Yeah, that's really good. Is that a baby in the background or that's some Australian magpie. animal and a magpie? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? A bird? Yeah. Do you guys not have magpies? I don't think so. Oh. I don't think we have. Yeah, we must yeah. have magpies. I don't know. I've heard that word before, but that's about the extent of my knowledge with magpies. Yeah, and now I've heard one too. I so. need yeah. to turn the light on. <laughs> it's so funny. And we were talking before we started recording about getting some nature sounds. So You're right. You Here we go. Yeah. I got some birds in the background for you. Exactly. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone listening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I... I uh, wanted to talk about 
how this people pleasing can kind of start to show up. Um, mm-hmm. And especially in the context of relationships. And, and so mm-hmm. for me, at least that was kind of the first area where I really started to notice um, mm-hmm. like, Hey, I, I've, I have like no personal autonomy here. I have no personal mm-hmm. power in my relationship with Katie. And so mm-hmm. um, what are some things people can start to do to kind of bring that awareness to how that's affecting them and affecting the relationships? Yeah. So I think, Great question. And I definitely went through my own personal journey with this as well. I think like having some time in solitude is really important. Like sometimes by yourself without distractions. So not mm-hmm. by yourself on your phone or like actually just in solitude, getting in nature is super powerful just because it gives, gives you space to reflect on you and where you're at. Mm-hmm. The second thing is just notice, start to notice how you're feeling. Because often frustration will start to arise. If you're people-pleasing a lot and don't have any boundaries or or personal space or sense of who you are, you'll start to get frustrated. The thing is, though, most people-pleasers have squished any anger or frustration and have rejected that emotion entirely. Yeah. So that was me that, completely. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> calling me out here. Yeah. No. Are you frustrated? No. Are you angry? No. I don't get angry. That was me. Yeah. Before I started doing this work and access that. I literally, <laughs> the, first, the first workshop I was at where that sort of came up, we were doing the activity of accessing anger. And I, mm-hmm. I, I said to the facilitator, I said, it's all good. I can sit this one out. I don't have any anger. I don't get angry. <laughs> and it was so funny. They just looked at me with this smile on their face like, here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> Turns out there was a fair bit of suppressed anger in there. Yeah. So, so that's the first thing, to start to notice any frustration or anything like any tension. And if you're so disconnected from that emotion that you don't feel it at all, then if that can look turn into maybe anxiousness. It can turn into even like depression mm. or like fe- depressive feelings, feeling flat because you're just squishing any of that emotion down because if you let it up, it would be like, you wouldn't know how to handle it. So sometimes mm. our, our bodies, our beings, natural way to deal with that is just boom. And, and yeah. I, I believe it's the source of a lot of feelings of anxiousness and, and, and depression. So like just take stock of where you're at emotionally. Is anything coming up? And if it's not, is there sort of like are you really anxious? Are you feeling depressed and flat? Like those kinds of things. And just start to take time for yourself in nature. And, and journaling can be a really powerful um, gateway to more self-awareness as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like those those few things, but frustration is, is a real one because yeah. frustration is either there because something's happening that we don't want to be happening or something's not happening that we do want to be happening. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, like, it's like feedback that a boundary is being crossed often. Sure. And frustration. So... That's often feedback like, wow, okay, something's happening here. And then it gives you something to work with from there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I think it was actually you who kind of introduced me to an exercise that I've been doing for a while that helped me a lot. But it was just like throughout the day, basically, whenever I noticed myself feeling anything, like whether it be frustration or or excitement or stress or happiness or whatever, I, for a while was making it a point to take out my phone and literally write down like right now I'm feeling this and take a few mm-hmm. breaths and kind of see if there was anything deeper there and then mm-hmm. writing a little bit more. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's really surprising. I think it's maybe especially for frustration for me that without practice, it's really hard to tell where that frustration is coming from. You yeah. Know, it's kind of just like, for me, it just feels like a tight knot in my stomach and I'm like, well, I'm yeah. feeling something, but yeah. I, I don't know what that is, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that like continuous kind of journaling or just making note of when I was feeling things really was helpful to me to kind of start mm. to sort through my feelings. Mm. And, and it's starting with those body sensations is a really good way to start because mm. you won't necessarily recognize it as frustration, mm-hmm. but it's like my jaw's tight, my, I've got mm. tension in my shoulders and a knot in my stomach. And it's mm. like, okay. And just start by like naming the sensations in your body mm-hmm. and then breathing with those. And then you start to like, you just develop patterns. Like if you've got a lot of tension in your neck and jaw, like often that is frustration, even tightness in your forearms and hands. Yeah. Like we often feel sadness like in in our chest, like in our heart space. So like there are sort of some patterns. There's no like hard and fast rules, but just first of all, starting with bodily sensations is, is a good place to start and then expand from there. Especially I find for guys, it's we're so we've been so rewarded to not feel for yeah. so long that it's it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Like I think for women as well, but I feel like women's circuitry is more wired to feel more as well. And then throw some societal conditioning on that as well. I feel like, you know, women are still suppressed in, in what they're allowed, quote unquote, to feel. Um, but I feel like it's just a bit of an extra layer with guys. So a lot of the guys I work with, it's like, what are you feeling? Or, or And that's why guys are typically so bad at asking for what they need They need because they're like, yeah. I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> what do you need? Like, I don't know. Like, what are you feeling? I don't know. Like, so just starting with those baby steps of just mm-hmm. like it's starting with your body, like just naming what's going on in your body and using your breath to explore that. So it's a huh. good thing. Yeah, cool. I like that you said something like that emotions or all of these feelings are kind of like signs or um, like uh, not red flags, but you said a specific word that like show you that something's wrong, you know, oh, like an emotion. Yeah. And that was a big thing for us, like leaving that we were taught that emotions were so bad. And I always had a ton of negative emotions and um, just tried to like keep them down because I just thought that they were basically sins, like sinful attitudes and stuff. But like, I think like learning that their emotion can kind of point you to, Hey, maybe you need to change something up in your life. Like it's a positive thing, you know, like, yeah. Hey, just checking in, you know, <laughs> like I'm just your body here checking in, maybe your values <laughs> are being crossed or something, you yeah. know, maybe you need to change up your life in a way. I think like that's so, I don't know, enlightening. Yeah. Yeah. Helpful. A hundred percent. It's like if feelings are just feedback. Yeah. Feedback. They're, not, they're not good or bad. It's yeah. just, they're just, they are like, it's just the meaning we give to them makes them good or bad. Mm-hmm. So like we're taught that anger is bad. Sadness is bad. Don't want to feel sadness. A lot of the time we get taught sexual feelings are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt is bad. Um, and we get taught happiness is good. Joy is good. Mm-hmm. Love is good. Like fear is bad. It's like it's just because of just labels we've put on them when really it's just a natural part of being a human is to feel and experience emotion. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. our conditioning. Like if you look at 
some cultures, when, when somebody dies, they'll have like grieving ceremonies and they will just wail and cry and feel and dance and move their body and feel like intensely for a couple of days. But then that allows them to process the loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're taught to not to children should be seen and not heard. Emotions mm-hmm. are bad. So we, we, we've got all these unprocessed emotions that we just carry with us. And then that shows up and, and cock blocks our ability to connect with ourselves and to the people around us because we've got a lid on all this stuff. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's about just sort of like unlayering that because you can't feel who you really are through all of that. You can't connect deeply with your partner if there's all of this suppressed anger, frustration, grief. Grief is one that we're really uncomfortable with as a society. Sadness, mm. like letting yeah. go. It's natural. Like our, our body cries and grieves and makes sound to let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So often we try to do it just from our head. Like, oh, yeah, I've got over that. Like that really bad thing happened and I understand it logically. So I've moved past that. It's like, no, it happened. <laughs> your head might have, but yeah. your body isn't. It's like, and the body keeps the score at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's such a helpful like perspective shift on seeing your feelings as a natural part of who I am and trying rather than pushing them away or trying to just think my way away from them, uh, rather incorporating them into who I am and, and working on expressing them more and working on being more expressive and feeling my emotions more deeply, connecting with them more deeply. I feel like for a while that felt really counterintuitive to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, now as I'm like just starting to kind of tap into more of my emotions and feel like I'm more of a whole like embodied person, mm. yeah, I just feel like I'm so much more alive than I ever have been. Mm. Um, yeah. And one one way that's showed up in a big way is in my relationship with you, Katie. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've been able to connect with you on such a deeper level yeah. since mm. kind of starting to do this work just because in a way now we're like equals. Yeah. You've always felt your emotions yeah. much more strongly than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. now that I'm starting to feel them again, I would imagine that's like really refreshing for you. It is nice because I feel like you understand me in a different mm. way than yeah. before. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it's like a, it's, if I could say a word, I can't even think of a word that's like deeper than understanding, but mm-hmm. I mean, a more deeper understanding. A deep understanding. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it feels nice to like, just kind of look at someone and like, I know, yeah. you know, like you have that look, yeah. like I know how you feel and yeah. That's something that's like been great to have. I think after we mm. process this stuff. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's mm-hmm. good to know you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, it's empathy, right? And mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things where, like, and it's a pendulum swing as well. It's like not feeling anything ever to like feeling all the feels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything all the time. But you don't really want to live there either. Like Mm-mm, that's no. chaotic and tiring. Mm-hmm. So it's like once the pendulum like equalizes, you can have an awareness of what's going on and a curiosity of what's going on and then know when. Like do I need to go into this? Is there something here for me to release mm-hmm. or am I just having a flat day because I watched yeah. something, I listened to something, I watched something shit on TV and it got me in a negative thought pattern so mm-hmm. I'm feeling down. Mm-hmm. So it's like the balance between like exploring with curiosity and indulging. Um, I see a lot of people like in this embodiment field 
where you can start to indulge your emotion and just like go into every single thing that comes up. And I don't necessarily think that's helpful either. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like being able to witness it but not avoid it. Whereas a lot of guys, I think they might be witnessing, they think they're witnessing, but they're just avoiding. Yeah. So it's like it's having the agility to be like, what's happening, what's coming up for me? And just some curiosity, like, is there something there for me to look at? Maybe, maybe not. Do I just need to go for a run? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And move my body. Just exercise. Uh-huh. Like, mm-hmm. do I just need to do some deep breathing? Or, or what's there? There's frustration coming up. What's coming up? It's like, well, I need to set a boundary. Or like something's coming up that always shows up in my relationship and I haven't said anything yet. So it's all well and good to go and feel all the feels. Mm-hmm. But if you're not acting on what the feedback is as well, you're just going to keep having to feel all the feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like bringing that extra layer of awareness and curiosity to it to be like, yes, give yourself permission to feel when stuff is real. But yeah. also recognize you can think yourself into feeling pretty shit. Yeah. So can. like is this just all generated? <laughs> yeah. And it's like some of it's not real. It's like is this even real? Yeah. Am I just mm-hmm. creating this conflict? Am I just creating this because I'm used to it? Like is mm-hmm. this, and it's and it's it's just a dance of getting and and the more you sort of explore this, the more in tune you get with like, hang on, I'm actually feeling really heavy, heavier than I should. Like mm-hmm. maybe there's something here, and it might not make sense all the time. Like it happened to me last week. Like I just had this real sudden sense of heaviness come over me, and then I, I was really busy in the weeks leading up to it. Didn't have much space, and then I had this real sense of heaviness. I actually just gave that some space and there was some like there was some stuff there for me hmm. like to have a big cry and to release some stuff and I kind of knew where it was coming from kind of didn't but it wasn't I could tell it wasn't a thought generated feeling because I was having a pretty good day but there was yeah. just so it's just learning to yeah it's a skill like emotional agility it's a skill yeah so what did that look like for you so you said last week you're feeling really heavy and you took some time away to kind of process through that what did that time look like yeah so that like looked like feeling it so with me because i've been doing this for so long it's like the the stages of development Mm -hmm. so initially you're unconsciously uncompetent so you're not aware that you're not good at this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you learn some awareness and then you're consciously incompetent. So you're like, mm-hmm. I know I'm not very good at this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know I'm not very good at feeling my feelings or whatever it is. Then you start to practice and you develop conscious competence. So you're like, I'm pretty good at this, but it requires a lot of conscious effort. Mm-hmm. Like it requires me to be on and have my rituals and routines, but I'm pretty good at it. And then if you stick with that long enough, you develop unconscious competence. So you don't even have to think about it with your conscious brain so much. You just, your body knows what to do. You're unconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of there. Now I'm kind of sort of between those two, like conscious and unconscious. So when, as soon as I'm, if I'm aware, I can just go drop in. And that just looks like me taking some space, going to a room of my own. Um, I happen to have some cacao because I'd already made it and I would just drink that. And then I would just close my eyes and breathe. And mm. I would just breathe into where I was feeling the heaviness and give it some sound because breath movement and sound moves energy. Hmm. Like if you think about a toddler throwing a tantrum or like having a big cry, it's like they're breathing, they're moving, they're making a lot of sound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the sound part is the most uncomfortable for adults. Mm-hmm. Like 
it's just so it feels so we just don't want to do it but i yeah so i just i just start to make some sound and then i just allow myself to release that looked like a lot of crying um looked like we're feeling a lot of pain like it's it's not comfortable like sure. mm-hmm. I'm talking about it stuff like it's easy. It's never easy. There's always resistance. There's always part of me that's like, oh, fuck, do I really want to go into this? Mm-hmm. But I just know, like how you mentioned the connection that you feel with feel with Katie, the vitality that you feel because of starting to access this. It's yeah. like once you've experienced it and you're on the other side of it a little bit, you know it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's like until you get to that point, like if you're listening to this podcast and you're like you haven't done any of this work you're like well that sounds pretty full-on i don't know like my advice is just go and do it like experience it like get somebody to guide you through it and then you'll know yeah on the other, other side yeah. of it otherwise make it a lot easier yeah so that's how it looked for me like it, yeah. it was simple as that and cool. then that would have been like sometimes it doesn't take long sometimes it can be once two minutes you know you have a little release and you're like oh i'm feeling Free, I can breathe deeper. I feel better. It's gone. Yeah. Like, this particular one was a bit of a bigger release than, than, than typical. So it was sort of like I was there for 10, 15 yeah. minutes. I put some music on because I find that helps me access emotion and just be with it without judging it, without analyzing it, without being like, where's this coming from? What does this mean? Like just allow yourself yeah. to be in it and then come out the other side of it. Cool. I think that's good. I I feel like times I want to release or cry and I feel like crying to me is still so linked to being weak and I cry a lot. So it's not like, it's not like I, but every time I do, I'm like, I'm so weak, especially being a woman, you know, like I'm scared someone's going to be like, oh, you're an emotional woman. See, see what everybody told you your whole life. You're a woman, you're emotional. And so I think that's like why I feel that. But I, after I cry, like, I think sometimes I wish I would just cry more because it would feel so good. And then Mm. I liked what you said about not overanalyzing it because I think if I did cry, I would be like, I cried and everyone's going to see it on my face and I'm going to feel bad all day because Mm -hmm. I let out an emotion, you know? Mm -hmm. 100%. And it's like, there's two parts to it. There's the embodiment work and the accessing emotion and feeling it. Like that's sort of our state, our state of being. Our emotions really impact that. And then there's our story, our, our belief system, our blueprint that goes along with it, the narration in our mind that accompanies it. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're not, we need to work on both, right? If we're only ac- like working on our state by accessing our emotion more, doing breath work, doing things to improve our state, but we're not looking at our story, our subconscious beliefs and blueprints that run the show, you're not going to get very far. Because if you're feeling a lot of stuff, but your inner critic is judging you for feeling those things or like, see, I told you, you had to feel it. You're crying again. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I cried yesterday. Like <laughs> if that's happening, it's it's less healing and integration will actually take place. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Because it's like healing or like feeling it in the presence of judgment. It's like it might have some sort of release or some sort of benefit, but really it's kind of you're going to leave, it's going to leave you in the same spot. Yeah. So it's like it's just checking in with that and having the discipline. It's kind of like that masculine and feminine. It's like that expression and just getting into it is more of that feminine expression, not man and woman, like masculine and feminine energies. Mm-hmm. Both men and women have masculine and feminine energies, mm-hmm. but it's that feminine expression and then that masculine awareness and discipline to when you when you hear those thought patterns, like catching it and being like, no, that's not true. 
that's not the story I'm subscribing to anymore. This is my new story. And that requires discipline. And it requires like over and over again, catching it and implementing your new story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love how everything is so connected. I mean, it makes complete sense, (laughs) but like, yeah, if you are repressing your feelings in one way, that's likely going to like physically affect your biology, you know, and then it's going to also affect your relationships and yeah, Mm -hmm. all of that. Um, So I wanted to ask, it sounds like this is a pretty common theme with the people that you're working with and coaching, um, like kind of suppressing emotions and having a hard time accessing the full expression of who they are. Um, How do you, how does this kind of show itself in people's lives? Like what's the manifestation of Mm. people kind of having all their emotions kind of suppressed? Yeah. 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 And especially for guys, no guys come to me and like, can you teach me how to feel more? Like (laughs) when they don't know that's what they're getting themselves into, to be honest. Right. (laughs) But like, essentially you can't, you can't kill it at life and be successful if you haven't healed your heart. Mm. And everybody's got a different definition of success. So my caveat with this is if success for you looks like having any sort of fulfilling relationships and any sort of fulfillment in the work that you're doing in the world, then Mm -hmm. if you haven't healed your heart and and accessed this stuff, you cannot be successful because what we're wanting is a felt experience, the felt experience of being in love and connected, the felt experience of fulfilling work, the felt experience of what we think the success is going to bring us. Mm-hmm. Yet if we can't feel, we're never going to get that felt experience. And that's why you see so many people pursuing a career and getting to their goal and being like, I'm no happier than when I wasn't at the goal. Yeah. Or the relationships fall apart. You get the girl and then all like three years in, you're like, I still feel sad or I'm yeah. still not fulfilled. So that's how it manifests in like a lack of fulfillment and it, and it can kind of go one of two ways, depending on your like your makeup or, or conditioning. It might show up as frustration mm-hmm. and and frustration at work, stress, um, lots of conflict in relationship, those kinds of things. Or it's more flatter. I'm feeling depressed. The relationship's fizzling. I'm feeling disengaged at work or in the work that I'm doing. So it can kind of go one or two ways. Yeah. And neither is right, wrong, better or worse. It's just different based on how we learned when we were little to cope mm-hmm. with these things. Was it fight or flight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and if, if fighting was a good strategy for us when we were younger, that's probably what we're going to lean towards more. The aggression, mm-hmm. the blow-ups, the arguments, the fuck yous, the, all of that. Yeah. And if that strategy didn't work, because if we try to fight, it doesn't work, and we try to flee, run away, often we can't do that because we live in our home with our family, the only next best thing is to submit, essentially. Like if you look mm. at animals in the wild, they'll, like, they'll just submit. There's nowhere else to go. There's nothing else oh, to do. Yeah. So if that's your strategy, then you'll sort of go flat, be mm. down, disconnect, withdraw, all of those kinds of things. So it's kind yeah. of either one of those pictures typically. Mm-hmm. No, that totally lands because I, I think we're, Katie and I are different in this way, but in my family, we are very much told like, if you have a bad attitude, go to your room and come back when you have a smile on your face, you know, yeah. or like if yeah. there was ever, if I ever had any problems or, or was 
complaining about something or irritated about something, it was like, you need to go fix your attitude. And I'd have to go off on my own. And I'd just sit in my room, like, and be mad for a while until I just got tired. And then I'd probably come out and, you know, just move on. And so I feel like I've definitely kind of take taken the more submissive, like, passive aggressive backseat yeah. kind of route uh, when, when I was yeah. disconnected from my emotions mm-hmm. and that affected me a lot. I think, mm-hmm. I think it, it affected me in a lot of ways, but it, you know, made me passive at work and maybe wouldn't mm-hmm. put myself forward for things that I knew I was capable of. Cause I just kind of wanted to stay back and behind the scenes and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of stay on the outside. Mm-hmm. And in our relationship too, I, I think I've always like, hated fighting or mm-hmm. arguing i i just like i hate it you know it, it makes me feel really uncomfortable and, and it. it really triggers me <laughs> not that you love it but I like do, you're, I do. in a way you do in a you, bad way you kind of like to fight yeah. like that's your nature you know uh-huh. and mine is to just like put up my shell and just kind of be quiet and hide mm-hmm. that's really interesting mm-hmm. how that's played yeah. out Mm, I feel like that's such a nice guy. Like the the thing about how you said the animals, like you want to submit. I feel like that's taught to you in the religion we grew up, you know, like to be submissive, like especially women, but like even men to God, like we have to always be meek and humble and submit everything. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. you're put in that posture, even if it's your not Mm -hmm. your natural one, you put in it and you feel it on you, like Mm -hmm. clothing you. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's when you start to have realizations around this stuff, it's like that's where like just coming to a place of self-compassion because often it can come laced with judgment. Mm-hmm. Like why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I putting myself forward more at work? Why aren't I showing up this way in my relationship? And it's like, well, look at what you've been literally entrained to do for 20 plus years or however long you're there. It's like no wonder. It's like, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Now, like, let, like, again, it's just that perspective. It's like, okay, that's ha- so it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. If that's been happening for 20 years, at least give yourself two to five to turn it around. Yeah. You know? That's good like, perspective. Yeah. Like, and because we're just that instant gratification. Like, mm-hmm. I started doing this, I did this course or, and I did it for two weeks and, and nothing's changed yet. Or I started, I tried <laughs> this one thing, I went to this one workshop and it's like, oh, I'm not like, let's have some perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and and it just creates a bit of lightness around the whole personal transformation journey. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's often that happens in relationship in terms of one person being more submissive, one person being more assertive, if we want to use that word. But mm-hmm. and, and often that can mirror what we saw in our parents and what we learned about relationship and relation relational dynamics. Yeah. Um that's often a common thing. Um, and if we're not in touch with just, I guess, shifting gears to speaking specifically about relationships a bit, if we're not in touch with, like, our, our feelings, our ability to feel, it's like the feminine in both men and women, especially in women, like, craves that connection. The masculine energy craves, like, direction and freedom in both mm-hmm. men and women. And typically it's like like men will, will have more masculine energy, women will have more feminine energy. If you subscribe to teachers like David Data and these people, that's kind of like what, as a general rule. Not yeah. always the case. You can be a man and have more feminine energy if you want to have more masculine energy. There's no good, bad, right or wrong. It's just um, sort of, yeah, depending on what you believe, like mm-hmm. just how like our natural essence is different. Sure. Essence, right? So if 
the feminine craves connection and that feeling of connection and it's not receiving that in a, in a proactive, healthy way, then she'll get it however she can. And that will come through conflict if it has to. Because mm. we're fighting. But even though we're fighting right now, guess what? We're present with each other. We're <laughs> yeah, here. I can feel you. Even though it's aggression and not nice, I can still feel you. Yeah. And that is more important than that feels better than apathy and disconnect for the feminine. Mm. Yeah. Because if I can feel you, I know you're here with me. And like back going like back to the primitive part, because really the primitive part of our brain runs the show, especially when we're stressed. Mm-hmm. And that part doesn't like, if I can feel you when you're here, then you're not going to leave me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. So it's like, <clears throat> that's why it's so important to do this kind of work so you can tap into these feelings in a proactive, good way. So it can be intimacy that connects you, not fights. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because yeah. the connection's going to come. I love it. Yeah. 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 Well, and, it's like, cause it's, and it's a fiery energy. It's a passionate energy. So if you don't have the skills or the ability to bring that passion in in a proactive way through lovemaking, through creative expression, through all of these things, you'll get it through conflict. And that's yeah. Because huh. we want to explore and experience that. So it's, 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 yeah, taking that as feedback and especially... I don't want to get like too heteronormative, but a lot of the guys I work with are in heterosexual relationships. That's and that's my experience. That's what I'm familiar mm-hmm. with. But if for the guys, if, if your partner is nitpicking or, or, or causing fights, it's like rather than just being shitty and dismissive and shutting down, open up to the curiosity of like, oh, she's wanting to connect here. She's not doing it in a very good way. Mm-hmm. She's not going about it in a very pro- but there's there's something here. So how can I create the environment where we're feeling connected yeah. in a proactive way and watch the, the level of, of nitpicky fights start to dissolve? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I can totally see that. Even mm-hmm. in our relationship, like I was saying, I feel like I always used to kind of just like hide from conflict mm-hmm. in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Or if we had a conflict, I'd shut down. <laughs> and you're like, why can't you say anything? Well, you know? it's no, because I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, where are your emotions? Where are yeah. your emotions? <laughs> really? But <laughs> Tell I, me what you mean. <laughs> because I I'm so aggressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where are you? <laughs> but it makes it makes total sense. And like as I've worked on this stuff and been able to kind of access my emotions more and kind of start to understand like what's going on here and understand even my own fear of conflict and stuff like that, being able to sit and kind of kind of sit with the discomfort and stay engaged in conversation when we're having a conflict or like kind of stay in the fight longer. I want to say, as opposed Mm. to just like tapping out and shutting down, I can like Mm. stay in it longer. And it's our conflicts are so much more productive than they ever have been for for one thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And the second part is that it's, they feel a lot less scary because I feel like I can sense that connection. You know, it, it's not mm. just like someone trying to reject me. It's like, mm. I can feel you kind of poking me, you know, mm. and it's, I don't know, it's great. It's a good feeling. And I, instead of feeling really flat and depressed and down, um, I feel like alive and invigorated and, and mm-hmm. present in my life and present in our relationship. And it's been a mm. big change. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like yeah. coming, bringing it back to the people pleasing. I think, Every, I feel like everybody does it, but I notice it in you in certain ways. And I notice that the the way you try to please me is like, it's not 
like pleasing because you try to be kind to me, but I just want like the real you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like that's probably, I think that's what everybody really wants of everyone around them is like just mm-hmm. the real authenticity, mm-hmm. like saying what they need and what they want because it helps you be in a relationship with them. And like, so like that, like you were people pleasing so much to me in the mm-hmm. beginning. I knew, like, I just felt it wasn't yeah. you. And I think yeah. like, that's what we are ch- all trying to learn now that we're, I mean, everybody who, who live like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that walking on eggshells, like, Oh, am I going to get in trouble? It's almost like, like little boy energy. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I had this in a big way as well, like wanting to do the right thing. And, 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 and it, on the outside, it, it looks like, oh, I'm, I'm a nice guy. I'm trying to do the right thing. But, Katie, do you trust Joe more now? Because yeah. he should, yeah. Like, and then that trust is like the, the glue. And, and it might not be a conscious awareness thing, but if, if, if somebody, man or woman, but in this situation, obviously we're talking about, um, like, if Joe's people-pleasing, you like you don't you can't trust that because you can sense something isn't being said mm-hmm. so then there's a lack of trust which creates fear which is like well if i can't trust him and then when you're operating from fear that's when the conflict will come out so it's like mm-hmm. that's when you'll attack or, or you'll nitpick or you'll because it's like i need to feel you because at the moment i don't trust you and you might not use those words because that sounds especially if when you're in a loving relationship you're like hang on like we're in a loving relationship. I do trust you, mm-hmm. but yeah. part of your body is like, hang on a second, like what's going on here? Yeah. And, and recognizing that because so many nice guys, people, pleasers, uh, they l- like we lack integrity. Like integrity is more than just not lying. Integrity is telling the full truth. Hmm. Living in integrity is living in a state of wholeness. That's what the, where the word originates from, to be in integrity, to be in a state of wholeness. So if we're people-pleasing and walking on eggshells and not expressing our needs and not being truthful with where we're at, we're actually out of integrity. Yeah. And that can be felt by our mm. partner. Mm. And it's like it just, yeah, it, it just creates so much disconnect, whereas we... As when we were younger, we learned that if I said what I thought, it didn't end well. Mm-hmm. If I spoke up and was like this, it didn't end well. So we just yeah. gradually learned to. It's better to just like, you know, not be seen, not be heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mum's okay. Yeah, brothers and sisters are okay. Yeah, and we got rewarded for that behaviour. But when it comes to intimate relationships, that shit is not active yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. yeah yeah it's like completely different yeah that's like opposite of what we should be doing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you're right though that like we do i did get that message from my the family i grew up in and, and the people around me but then in addition to that there were so many things i was kind of consciously trying to keep down because i didn't want to be sinning you know i wanted to be as holy as possible mm. and following like my religion as closely as possible that it was like my brain had overridden all of my feelings and my body and everything and said like, Oh, you're feeling sad. No, you're not. You're, you're not supposed to feel sad. You're, you're mm. joyful. You're you saved. Know? You're saved like son of Jesus. Yeah, you like know, you have, you no reason have to a be place sad. in heaven yeah. and everything. Like you have no reason to be sad. Yeah. 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 So it's interesting you saying that, you know, I, f- I feel like for the first six or seven years of our relationship, I really was living out of integrity and I wasn't 
I was people pleasing and I wasn't expressing my full truth, but I didn't even realize that I was doing that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it had become mm-hmm. such an automatic habit that mm-hmm. it just was completely off my radar. Yeah. hundred percent. And we, we don't know what we don't know. Mm-mm. Yeah. Right? So it's like, and one of the biggest tricks of the ego is once you develop this awareness and then you look back retrospectively, the automatic thing is to judge who we were being there. Like, mm. oh yeah. my God, I was such a people pleaser. I was such. Mm. And it's like, don't use your new awareness as a tool to degrade your past mm. self. Yeah. It was just doing the best they could with what they had at the time. Yeah. It's That's like, so cool. good. Yeah. It's amazing it's, it's, for like, for especially for like this, uh, our listeners, I yeah. feel like we all feel that way. And it's so yeah. easy yeah. to look back and be like, man, I was so stupid back then. Or how could mm-hmm. I have fallen for that? Or how could I have lived mm-hmm. that way? Yeah. It's, it's really hard to not do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And anything you do, like hear this, anything you do from a place that isn't self-compassion will get you nowhere. Mm. You could invest thousands of dollars and thousands of hours and read all the books and do all the work and do all the healing retreats and all of this stuff. But if deep down it's coming from a place of judgment and trying to fix rather than self-compassion and fair enough, you're, you're trying to build a new house like outside of yourself. You haven't accepted yourself for who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Yeah. You're, try, you're still trying to run and get away and, and you can't, it's the biggest trap, like is, is our, our work is laced with self-criticism mm-hmm. and judgment. Oh, that's big for me. I didn't re- really realize that until now. <laughs> until right yeah. now. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. You don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally said it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just that. Yeah, but it's so common and, and it's just, it's so, and one exercise that I find um, really powerful, I do this at some workshops, is working with the inner critic and I get you to list all of the things your inner critic says to yourself. Mm. Like, you're this, you're that, I can't believe, like, and everybody's got a pretty long list. I give them mm. a couple of minutes. They could probably take an hour to write that list. Mm. Like, yeah. the inner critic's got some, some weapons in the arsenal. So write them all down and then find somebody that you love. Pre- like, it's, it's powerful if they're the same sex but it can just be your partner or whatever and then i want you to go through that list i want you to look that person in the eye and say every one of those things to this person in front of you whoa dang that's weird like see see if you can get through it i guarantee you won't be able to get through the list because you'll break down yeah you'll feel so mean yeah and it's just it's just good to like it's amazing what we tolerate because it's just in our head and it's not okay. It's not cool. Mm. Yeah. And it's no, like that's... doing that as an exercise is like it, it, it just shifts something. You're like, whoa. So then when you hear it in your head, you're like, whoa, that's really mean. Mm. Yeah. Whereas when it's just on autopilot and it's been happening for years, it's like, like, and that voice is aimed at our inner child. It's aimed at that innocent part of us. Mm. Like if you said those things to an actual child, you'd probably get locked up for child abuse. Mm. Yeah. Like, Dang. but for some reason we think it's okay to say it to ourselves and it's just not. Yeah. I yeah, know. Oh, mm. that is powerful. And that's like, again, I think something you said earlier that we need to give ourselves some, 
some room to heal from it and put a long timeline on it because after 20 yeah. plus years of like constantly criticizing ourselves or not measuring up or feeling bad about mm. this and that, like that's yeah. also going to be something we need to practice over time. Yeah. It's going to yeah. take patience. Yeah, for sure. And like yeah. you said, self-compassion. Mm -hmm. I love that. I, I think that's something I really want to focus on this year mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. like really loving myself, you know, cause I, mm -hmm. I feel like I can, I can say it. Yeah. I love myself and I'm proud of myself, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I've thought things mm -hmm. before and I realized later on down the road, like, Whoa, you didn't actually feel that way or whatever. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know if I feel that to my core and yeah, it'd be just awesome to live from that place mm -hmm. as opposed to just living from my head, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, so for people who like haven't done any work in this area and who are maybe listening and feeling like, Oh, this sounds a lot like me. Um, I know we touched on it a little bit, but what are some like super practical things they could start doing or maybe start reading um, to just start to kind of chip away at this? Yeah. So I guess re like reiterate what I said before about like time in nature and time in solitude, just introspection, mm -hmm. but not from an overwhelmed, anxious place. So things that can help you sort of relax your nervous system are getting out in nature or doing some breath work. So just some basic breath work. There's two, you do like Wim Hof. Mm. I don't know if your listeners would have heard of Wim Hof, but like the Iceman, so that cold breathing, he's got some basic free stuff you can do. And there's also one called the O2 Awakening. Oh, cool. And they've got like a, a daily O2 daily practice that's just really basic. But what the breathwork does is it helps change your brainwaves to put you in a more relaxed state. So rather than being in like high beta stressy, it helps relax things so that when you're doing things like journaling and introspection, you're doing it from a more centered space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. And the second thing is get some support. Like, and that can look like with a friend, with a partner, with a coach, with something like, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Joe, when you've got somebody on the outside looking in, because like we said, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So get somebody that can, and this is where you'd like be selective with who you get to support you in this because it's very easy for people to come with their own biases in the feedback that they're providing and, and, and all of that. Of course. So, but getting, getting an outside perspective to see your blind spots accelerates the journey like a million fold. Mm -hmm. So introspection, journaling, breath work, having some sort of daily practice in the morning and in the evening to sort yeah. of set yourself up for the day and to put it like a nightcap on the day and then getting some sort of support in some form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. those, cool. those would be the main things. And then in and amongst that, like always be learning. So audiobooks, podcasts like this, mm -hmm. uh, just be, yeah, getting stuff in your mind that is more conducive to where you want to go rather yeah. than where you've been. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like lately I've been wanting to be really intentional about what I'm filling my mind with. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. all of that stuff, like you said, be learning, you know, mm -hmm. always be learning and everything. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Great. Well, that was an amazing conversation. Yeah, <laughs> I keep I keep thinking like if, if every Sunday, instead of spending my time listening to like a sermon about this dusty old 2000 year old book, I listened to <laughs> yeah. this conversation, yeah. I would have been like, it's so enlightened by now. 
No, this yeah. has been really, really good, Tully. Thanks. I, I really think that this is going to be super helpful to everybody listening. It's been really helpful to me. And um, like I've said before, my work with you one-on-one was so helpful. And it felt mm-hmm. like my personal development took like a huge jump when I started working with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just really appreciate your time coming on here today and talking with us. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. Was, yeah, I had a lot of fun yeah. and I love the work you guys are doing and the message you're spreading for all of your listeners. It's, um, yeah, it's important work to be doing and we need all hands on deck. So yeah, I acknowledge you guys for, for everything that you're doing um, with the podcast and just with, with who you're being and what you, what you guys are working towards individually and together. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Um, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? on Instagram yeah. or website or anything like that? Yeah. So my website is tullyoconnor.co. So it's just my full name, T-U-L-L-Y-O-Connor.co. And then Instagram is at tullyoconnor. And that's where I hang out most, probably over on Instagram, on Facebook as well. But, yeah, just come get around me on Instagram. And I've got a free Facebook group for guys called The Conscious Locker Room where we kind of, um, yeah, dive into conversations like this a little bit. And it's just... I find a lot of time if like men, if they're just on this path, sometimes it can be quite isolating. So yeah. um, definitely hit me up um, if you want to jump in that as well. Cool. And I'll personally vouch for Tully's Instagram is a good one to follow. I know there's a lot of <laughs> self, like self-help personal development people online trying to spread a message. But yeah, Tully's is spot on. And Katie and I daily are reading both yours, Tully, and Kat's post uh, (laughs) and are feeling really pumped up by it every day. Uh So yeah, it's true. It's worth checking it out. Um, And I'll link all of that stuff along with uh, like the breathing exercises and stuff you were talking about. I'll link Mm. it in the episode description. So that'll be easy to find. Yeah. Oh, cool. That was a great episode. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Awesome. No worries, guys. Much love. Thanks for having me on.